Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you so much for your word. Uh, we pray that you will help us to understand your word this morning and that we would respond rightly in praise and honour to your Son, our Saviour, the Lord Jesus. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Please take a seat. And please open to the passage in Philippians chapter 2 uh, that Peter read for us before. Um, I'm always in two minds about going on a roller coaster ride. Uh, I'm pretty keen first up when I see it. Uh, I pay my money and I line up, but as the line gets shorter and shorter, uh, the butterflies in my tummy get bigger and bigger. Uh, a few years ago, when I was in Germany for my brother's wedding, he took me to a local theme park and there was a massive roller coaster ride. It had many twists and turns, and many climbs and many descents. I can still picture one of these climbs and descents. And we climbed up, up, up and up, and the ride stopped for a moment. You knew it was the calm before the storm. For a moment you could kid yourself that all was well with the world. The sun was shining, the birds were singing, but then you were jolted back to reality as the ride clicked into gear and you raced at top speed, down, 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 to the point you thought, surely it can't go any lower. The bottom's got to come soon enough. This Advent season, we're doing a sermon series called Christmas Cards from Paul. If you were to receive a Christmas card from the Apostle Paul, what might it say? In his second Christmas card, Paul takes us on a journey not dissimilar to the one on the roller coaster ride. He takes us down, down, down with Jesus. Philippians 2, verse 6, look with me. Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. As we open Paul's second Christmas card, we find a God who descends low for us. Paul tells us that Jesus, the baby born in the manger, is in very nature God or the form of God. Paul is taking us on the downward trajectory that God himself came upon, coming low, being born as a man. The one who is in very nature God, verse 5, took on the very nature of a servant, verse 7, by being made in human likeness. Jesus, very nature God, very nature servant, form of God, became a form of a servant. Here is a humble God. A humble God who, who, though he reigns as ruler over the nations, does not consider that something to be used to his own advantage or a thing to be grasped or taken hold of. Quite the opposite. Notice what Paul says in verse 7. He made himself nothing, or, or he, he emptied himself. 
Paul is taking us on the downward part of the roller coaster ride that is the coming down of God among us. He comes low by becoming a man. He comes low by taking the very nature of a servant. But Paul's about to show us how he descends even lower. It's hard enough to get our heads around the fact that the God of all creation, the one who sets the stars in place, the one who governs the course of events, appears as a human being. A human being you could touch and see and smell. You could touch, see and smell God there in the manger. It's hard to get our heads around God humbling himself to that point. But in verse 8 comes an even bigger shock. Verse 8, Paul writes, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. God the man humbled himself by being obedient to death, but not just any death, death on a cross. Here is God brought low. Uh, We've been taken step by step lower as God, the man Jesus, lowers himself. The first step, a servant. Second step, a man. Third step, death. Surely he can't go any lower, can he? Well, yes, he can, because Jesus wasn't finished humbling himself. Crucifixion was both humiliating and horrific. Paul tells us that with the word even at the end of verse 8. Crucifixion was said to be the Romans' worst kind of death. It was basically death by torture. And you were lifted up so that all your humiliations were on display. It was reserved only for the worst kinds of criminals and could never be inflicted on a Roman citizen. The Roman politician Cicero said... Let the very name of the cross be far away, not only from the body of a Roman citizen, but even from his thoughts, his eyes, and his ears. Yet this is what Jesus accepted. On the cross we see the supreme moment of Jesus' servant nature and his humility. Death, even death on a cross. God, man, servant, death. This is Jesus' downward trajectory. In another letter in, in Romans, Paul writes, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let's just ponder that for a moment. That God's love for you is such that he would humble himself. 
a servant, a man, unto death, even death on a cross. This is the measure of his love for you. That he would come among us in the manger and die in humiliation on a cross. Does that not grab you this Christmas? That this is what your God would do for you. Come to bear the shame of death that we might not. Come to take the punishment for sin that we might know peace. Come to bear the curse of God that we might know the blessing of God. Paul has brought us down, down, down with Jesus. Now he's going to launch us up, up, up. That's what happens on a roller coaster ride, isn't it? After reaching the bottom, you're launched up. And verse 9, the launch up begins. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place. And gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. The trajectory of Jesus' journey radically changes. On that roller coaster ride in Germany, having reached the bottom, what did we do but, but launch up, up, up? Having come down, down, down with Jesus, now we see him lifted up, up, up. He's exalted highly by the Father. Jesus loved his people by being humbled unto death. He was obedient to his Father's will. And so God the Father has highly exalted him. Not only that, Jesus has been given the name above every other name. Names are significant, aren't they? Names mean something. There's a theory that people end up doing the job that their name reflects. I don't know whether it's a true theory, but the theory goes that Tom Baker sells bread, Kate Taylor loves to sew, and John Clark shuffles paper. This happens in the Bible. A person's name reflects something of their role. So, for example, Jesus names one of his disciples Peter, which means rock, and he ends up the leader of one of the first churches. But it can go both ways too. A person's name can become a summary of their character. We still speak like this today. Now, when we say of someone, he's got a good name, we mean that person has a good character. They're someone who can be trusted. Jesus Christ has been given the name above every name. Jesus is a name. The angel Joseph told, sorry, the angel told Joseph he was to name the baby Jesus. Why? 
because he would save his people from their sins. Christ is a title, meaning God's anointed, God's only chosen king. Jesus has so perfectly fulfilled the role assigned to him that he perfectly fits his name. He's perfectly God's Christ. He has come as king. He's perfectly Jesus. He has done everything needed to save his people from their sins. And because his name represents him and his character, it deserves to be honoured everywhere. Wherever we hear the name Jesus Christ, we know this is someone we can trust. Someone we can trust above every other name. Jesus has no equals. He is in a class all of his own. Paul has taken us here to the coronation ceremony. The coronation of God's King, Jesus Christ. By his resurrection and ascension, by giving him the name that is above every name, God has made Jesus King. Some have eyes to see that now. Many do not. But there will be a day when there will be no skerrick of doubt about who Jesus is, about who God's King is. What does Paul say in our passage? God has exalted Jesus and given him the name above every name so that at the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There will come a day when Jesus will receive the praise and honour that is his due. Not just from pockets of people around the world but from every person who has ever lived and will ever live. From everyone and everything, everywhere. This is the direction of world history. History is not circular. There is an end point. And the end point is Jesus' return and all people and everything seeing him for who he is. Jesus. The only way of salvation for those who believe. The Christ, God's only chosen King. Jesus has come the first time that we might jump on board, acknowledge him now, so that he might acknowledge us then and welcome us into his kingdom. In his Christmas card from Philippians, Paul has given us this hymn or this song To show us who Jesus is. That's true. And he's given us to us that we might see his gracious descent to us. That's true. But see, it's more than that. Because as Christians, as those who trust in Christ and confess him as Lord, we're not just bystanders. 
We're not standing next to the roller coaster ride as we've seen Jesus brought down, 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 then up, up, up. No, no. We are in the roller coaster ride with Jesus. Jesus' trajectory, it's our trajectory. Notice how Paul begins the passage in verse 1. He writes, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ. Did you see that phrase? United with Christ. You are connected to Jesus. By faith, you're united with him. And so how can Paul go on in those first few verses to command you to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, to value others above yourself and to look to the interests of others? How can he? Well, because that's how Jesus went about things. That's how he served it. And you're connected to him. That was his mindset. And so verse 5, that's the mindset of the Christian. You're united to Jesus by faith. You're connected to him so that what is true of Jesus is true of you too. And so what can you expect in this life? Well, you can expect to be a servant. You can expect to be made nothing. You can expect to be humbled. You can expect suffering. Jesus' story is our story. Our life as a believer involves dying to our old self, dying to sin. Just as Christ defeated the power and penalty of sin on the cross, so too sin no longer has reigned over us. Yet we daily battle against it whilst ever we live in this world. We live a new life because Jesus has been raised from the dead and so we too live a new kind of life. Christ lives in us. He's given us a new heart. A heart bent towards loving and serving Jesus rather than loving and serving ourselves. But this life will involve suffering as a Christian. If it's true for Jesus, it will be true for us. We're connected to him. Many of us are rightly concerned about the attacks on freedom of speech in our country and diminishing religious protections. But that shouldn't really surprise us, should it? In fact, the Bible assumes that the Christian will be on the margins of society. We should, in fact, be concerned when we hold a privileged position in a culture. Paul will go on in his letter and encourage the Philippians by writing further in chapter 2, do everything without grumbling or arguing, 
so that you might become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. As our culture moves further and further away from its Christian roots, as Christians we can shine brighter as on a dark canvas as we hold out the hope of the gospel. If, if Jesus' trajectory is your trajectory, then it certainly means suffering in this life. But what happened after we saw the down, down, down of Jesus' trajectory? We climbed up, up, up. For the Christian, for the one who has turned to Christ in repentance and faith, we will reign with Christ forever. We will be seated with the one who has been highly exalted and given the name above every other name. And so do you see Jesus' trajectory? Do you see your trajectory? You're united to Jesus. And so if you're united to Jesus, you're united to your church family. Jesus' trajectory is your trajectory. It's your church family's trajectory. This is your direction, your, your destination. Being a co-heir reigning with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This is God's great gift of Christmas. The gift of Jesus. The gift of being connected to him. The one who has been given the name above every name. And if we're connected to Jesus, then we're connected to each other. The Christmas gift involves the gift of one another. The church, a family, who will care for us, encourage us, love us, bring us back when we waver, as we journey home to heaven to reign with Christ forever. What a Christmas gift. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much that by faith we are connected to Jesus. Thank you that his trajectory is our trajectory. Thank you for the promise of reigning with him in heaven forever. And we pray that we would live now in the light of that great promise. In Jesus' name, Amen.